and it's Thursday Finance for our sponsors, Pritchard and Partners. And, of course, we're very happy to take your calls on anything to do with your finances, your personal investments and uh, taxation advice. And Stephen Pritchard and Brett Hall will do their best to answer your questions. 49216216 is the number to ring to get your question through to them. And uh, Stephen Pritchard and Brett Hall, welcome. Stephen, let's start off with China because there's been something in the media just this week about China buying up lots of properties and uh, not only in Australia but um, elsewhere around the world too. Is there something wrong with the uh, agricultural land in China? I, I don't know whether there's something wrong with the agricultural land in China, although um, I don't necessarily say that I'd eat some of the products from there. Um, um, China has basically been going around the world and buying up um, agricultural land. It's not only agricultural land, um, rural re- uh, commodities and resources. Basically, they've got this policy that, that they should control the whole um, cycle of production to, to feed their you know, growing population and um, the resources to feed into their um, uh, steel mills and whatever. I mean, there's a, like, there's, a, there's a number of mines in Australia. I mean, the most famous ones, that one that involves... Um, Clive Palmer that the Chinese actually own and that's purely to export the iron ore straight from um, owning the mine straight to China itself. Um, but we have got to remember Australia's seen various foreign investors in the past um, buy up large land holdings and in particular in the 1980s the Chinese and if you remember, uh, sorry, the Japanese and if you remember back to uh, one of Australia's entrepreneurs, Christopher Scase built those um, uh, resorts, the Mirage at um, Gold Coast, Coast things, Brett, and the one at uh, Port Douglas, and he sold um, from memory 50% of those when he needed a bit of cash for $400 million uh, for half of them, and they've never sold for that again for 100%. I think the last time they sold for about $200 million. So there has been cases where foreign investors have come in, bought property assets in Australia, and ended up selling them out at significant losses down the track. And history may or may not repeat itself. Oh, that's right. History may or may not repeat itself. I mean, what what has been raising the issue is that um, various, not only Chinese, but various foreign um, people have been buying residential property without um, foreign investment review board approval, and that's strictly prohibited. Only a resident or someone with a permanent residency visa can buy existing residential property in Australia, and that's that property in Sydney that they've issued a divestment order on, on and I, I suspect that's only the first of many to come. Mm, so it's something, it's under the microscope at the moment. I think it's under the microscope. Mm. There's, uh, particularly the housing. I mean, foreign investments, either rightly or wrongly, I mean, um, being blamed for the, the, the large increase in housing prices in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking about commodities, how are they travelling this week? Um, the commodity prices were all over the place. Um, the, the, the gold and silver, which are seen as the store of value in uncertain times, were both down by uh, around about 2%. But the, um, stock, uh, the commodities that um, used in manufacturing are, are supposedly signs of economic activity. So copper was up 1% and the, tin, uh, the nickel price was up 3%. So, um, but, you know, they're not really material changes, I wouldn't have thought. It's just, you know, they seem to vary about that amount each week, so I wouldn't put a great straw on that. And in the currency market, the Australian dollar was down again this week and continues its fall. Um, it was down 2% this week, um, down to 76 cents. It hasn't been seen that price for a long time. Um, and we've fallen against the Great British Pound and the Yuan. The only currency we're up against 
that was up against the New Zealand Isle, which has had some issues in relation to a terrorist threat against the exports of Fontara. Mm. Mm. Someone's uh, going to poison the um, milk formula that Fontara exports around the world by injecting some insecticide 1080 into it. So as as that's worth a lot of money to um, New Zealand, the, the currency kind of dropped Mm. Uh, as soon as that was announced. And, the, and, and we're also uh, up against the euro slightly because of the continuing problems in the, in the EU. Mm. And on the various equity markets around the world, the uh, Australian market was down um, 2% on the week. The Dow Jones was down 25 and the UK was down 3 uh, The Nikkei, which is the Japanese market, was up 0.1%. The Japanese market's been surprisingly strong this year um, and it continues to to go up on um, the new economic policies that uh, hopefully are correcting um, Japan's 10-year recession and uh, the Hang Seng, which is the uh, Hong Kong market, was down 3% on the week. And what about the all-important petrol bars or oil? Uh, the petrol bars are fast. Well, that's interesting. The, the, the oil price, the Wex test for Cinemaniac crude was up 1.5% on the, on the, on the week. But, um, the unleaded petrol in Newcastle was $1.33 this morning and in Sydney it's $1.28. So in Sydney, it actually went down 4% for the week and Newcastle went up 2% for the week. So um, there doesn't seem to be any logical reason for that, except we're getting back to the position where we're now paying five cents a litre more than um, the Sydney price, and you know people need to start complaining about that again. And <laughs> well, you think it was the complaints that brought it down? <laughs> um, well, if you don't complain, nothing will happen. Um, and there's plenty of people to complain to the ACCC, um, the oil companies of themselves, um, the retailers, Woolworths and Coles. Um, and, of course, yes, there's always your local uh, federal member um, in Newcastle, Sharon, Sharon Clayton. I'm sure she'd be interested to hear from you. Um, and then, of course, the diesel price. Um, the diesel price is actually um, pretty much steady. So what that means is the diesel price has dropped below the unleaded price, which is the first time that's occurred for a while. Thursday Finance on to a new RFM for our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners, and... Uh, well, we were talking about commodities. Um, Jeff rang up on 49216216, which is the number that you can ring to if you've got a question to put to our finance people today. And Jeff says that petrol at Sandgate, or fuel, is still only $1.19 a litre. There is, I think, a yeah, it's worth looking around mm, to see where you can yeah. find a decent... I, 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 of course, as long as you don't spend all your savings driving around. Yes, that is the trouble. Targeted driving around, I think, <laughs> is what you need. <laughs> so Thursday Finance today and 49216216, the number for your questions. And our market snapshot, Stephen Pritchard, with Brett Hall today. Yes, well, we're doing it today because Henry's away um, doing some extensive research, I understand, and seeking out new investment opportunities. Um, the Australian share market opened flat this morning. It was... It was up 4.2 points, or uh, 0.0%, which is which is really nothing. Um, everything's been reasonably quiet the last couple of days. A few announcements have come out. Um, the major thing that's occurred um, that's, that's having an effect on the financial markets is a continued fall in the US dollar. Um, last night, 
sorry, the continue to fall in the Australian dollar against the US dollar. Last night it got down to 75.61 cents. It's up a marginally this morning, but that's the lowest it's been since 2009, which is um, six years ago. Mm. So it continues to fall. Now, now is, is there a reason for this? Um, well, the reason is that it's Reserve Bank. Um, the Reserve Bank is trying to get the Australian dollar to fall. Um, so why, why is that, Stephen? Um, well, the, the Reserve Bank's um, basically trying to stimulate the economy. And one, reason, one way you can stimulate the economy is to um, lower the cost of funding. And the Reserve Bank's doing that um, by slowly cutting interest rates. Um, and as a result, the, 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 reserve, the dollar's falling. Now, the other reason it's falling is the falling commodity prices, which means that um, Australia's exports are also falling. And then the U.S. economy is improving as well. And the U.S. economy. The, the U.S. dollar is going up against other currencies. So we, we've really got a combination here in Australia. The, the Australian dollar is falling against world currencies and the U.S. dollar, which is the one we seem to quote against most of the time, is, is, um, is rising. So, Stephen, so you said that uh, the RBA's policy is to, uh, to, to deflate the dollar but um, to stimulate the economy. But won't that, because we import a lot of products, won't that also push up? the cost of a lot of items you know, actually um, yeah, yeah, the, the falling the falling dollar um, you're right uh, the falling dollar results in uh, the cost of our imports increasing um, and one of the reserve banks um, principal charters is to maintain a stable currency and have a target inflation rate of around two to three percent so I think what they're thinking at the moment is that um, because um, the falling economic activity um, inflation rate on the last couple of numbers is way below the target um, we can afford to um, increase the the, uh, the prices in Australia as a result of the um, falling dollar and still meet the inflation target. Now, a side, a, a side factor of that is that they should actually start to incur some um, import replacement. I mean, as, as, as the um, dollar falls, any goods that um, are produced in Australia become more competitive with imported products. So, that, for example, the tin tomatoes that are coming in from Italy um, that are being sold will become progressively more expensive while the, while the um, ones produced by SPC under various brand names, I mean, the only company that produces tin tomatoes is in Australia is SPC, um, should stay about the same. So the comparative buying power or the comparison between the Australian product and the Italian product um, should start to even out a bit. Hmm. So obviously um, we can, so investors can take an opportunity from the from the falling dollar? Ah, yeah, I mean, investors, there's, there's always opportunities in financial markets for investors if they, if they do a bit of thought about where, where they can uh, put their money to benefit. And of course, um, one way is to look at um, if you're holding assets overseas, um, they become worth more money as the, in, in Australian dollar terms as the Australian currency falls. So one, one way you can do it is, you, a simple way is you can um, go down to the bank and um, an expensive way, I imagine, if you're not careful, is to buy some US dollars and open a US dollar account and put the um, money in there. Um, and the thing to watch there is not so much the fees or the commission the bank charges you, is the spread from the midpoint. I mean, there's a number of places that... What's that? <laughs> <laughs> when, when you buy a currency from your financial institution, you're dealing with them as a principal arrangement. So they're actually selling you the currency. Um, now, what they sell it to for you at is up to them. 
So if you go along um, Beaumont Street, as we're known in Hamilton, and there's a couple of financial institutions out there who have quotes of foreign currencies, and there's a considerable difference between two, um, the Bank of Queensland and the CBA, which are almost side by side, in the quotes on US dollars. Now, that's the price that they're willing to buy or sell to you for. Um, the, set, the commissions or the fees they charge are usually secondary compared to the amount that's made on the spread. So um, buying currency through the local bank isn't probably a good idea to, uh, to uh, um, um, you know... To go into to to it. Yeah. Uh, offshore <laughs> or you, assets. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could, you could buy a managed fund as an example. Yeah, you can buy a managed fund uh, that holds, invests overseas or an exchange-traded fund um, that invests in uh, US indexes or... Um, um, European indexes, or some Australian stocks who have a large um, foreign income component. Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners, and we're in the middle of our market snapshot now with um, Stephen Pritchard and Brett Hall here. And um, everyone's favourite stock at the moment has been in the market a bit, a bit in the news a bit this week, the, the Commonwealth Bank. Um, one research analyst has put out a report tipping a, uh, a target price of $101.00. Um, but it wasn't um, quite clear uh, when. I'm sure it'll get to $101, but but I'm, I'm not not sure when that's going to occur. Um, the CBA has also announced that um, they're going to target small business lending in order to grow their loan portfolio. Um, the small business market's um, traditionally been serviced by NAB, which is the largest small business bank in Australia, and to a lesser extent ANZ. So they're obviously trying to target the other big banks, um, Portfolios. They've also announced an interesting thing about um, their now. If you, for anyone who's got an Android phone, CBA is rolling out some new technology to replace their um, Payway credit cards. You can actually just use your your phone instead of your Payway credit card, and basically they're going to load the same information that's on your Payway credit card onto your uh, Android phone, which. Um, which I think they're Samsung, Samsung and um, Sony probably. Yeah. Does that uh, have security implications? Um, it's in, it's, well, I wouldn't have thought so. It's no different to um, to uh, what's on your PayWave credit card now. PayWave. PayWave, PayWave yeah. credit card. Yeah, so your PayWave card now, you know, you just wave then and you can, you don't need to put anything up to $100, so I don't see how there's any issue, which which is interesting, So, because that's not going to be available on Apple um, phones and the Android technology. And, and they've also come out about the latest thing that, that's being talked about is this peer-to-peer lending, where basically investors um, can lend money direct to borrowers um, through an intermediary and get um, higher interest rates than available through the bank. Um, it's being talked about as being one of the new disrupting technologies and it's going to do the same to banks, what the internet's done to the media companies, um, such as... Uh, Fairfax's um, newspapers and stuff. Um, CBA's come out and taken the opposite view and said peer-to-peer lending is a short-term phenomenon and it's not going to last. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens there because if that, if it does, as the peer-to-peer lenders are saying it's going to have, um, you know, a lot of the bank's traditional business will disappear. But didn't they have significant um, success overseas in the UK with the peer-to-peer uh, lending? Peer-to-peer lending's had significant success in the in the UK where it started. So basically, um, an internet provider, uh, an internet. 
comp- a company sets up an internet site. It's a bit like a stock exchange in a way. Um, Jane's got some money to lend. Brett's got some money to buy. They Tomorrow. match the buy. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, they match the buyers and sellers up. Jane gets a higher interest rate than she would from a bank or, or bank, and Brett would get a lower interest rate when they were charged. And it's basically compressing the bank's margins in between. From the borrower's point of view, of course, they're, they're actually wearing. Um, from the lender's point of view, sorry, they're actually wearing a risk that their money doesn't get paid back, whereas you deposit the money in the in the local bank, you, you know, um, to a certain extent, it's government guaranteed up to two fifty thousand. So you're wearing that risk for the for the higher interest rate. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I think. And what about the government regulation on that? I mean, obviously, the government doesn't want people losing their money, and I guess some. Some lenders may be um, not educated enough to understand the risks. Well, it's regulated by um, that they have to. They, they use the um, product disclosure statement in Australia, and it's regulated by the, regulated by ASIC. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's really up to ASIC to um, make ensure that the appropriate disclosures made in the product disclosure statement. Um, but yeah, you're right. People are going to you know. There's no doubt there'll be some loans that don't work out, but you, you know, to a certain extent, you can achieve that by spreading your money over different loans, um, mm-hmm. diversifying it. Got some other companies you're looking uh, at? And the interesting thing, because Genworth, um, Genworth is a mortgage insurance company, and it, um, it, it's fallen about 20% in the last two weeks. Now, the principal reason of that is Westpac's made the surprising decision, I think surprising in particular at this point in the market cycle, um, that what what ha- used to happen is if you went along to Westpac and you borrowed more than 80%, um, you need required to take out, generally you're required to take out mortgage insurance with a company such as Genworth and QBE. Um, and, and you paid the premium. Now, what happened is if you, if for some reason you never paid the money back and Westpac had to sell the, uh, property, um, the, the mortgage insurer, um, made up any loss that Westpac suffered. Westpac's decided that um, they're going to self-insure now. They're still going to charge the people who borrow more than 80% of the premium, but that's going to go straight to Westpac instead of being paid onto a mortgage insurer. Um, so as a consequence, generally it's lost a considerable amount of its business and the, and the share price is down about 20%. It's surprising at this point in the market cycle that you know when prices are particularly high and the lending ratios are going up, that someone would decide to self-insure. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody's, well, <laughs> one of everybody's two favourite big supermarkets. Uh, Woolworths, <laughs> yes. We've got continue another story out that Woolworths has to pump even more money into Masters. Masters appears to be um, becoming a bigger and bigger black hole. Um, either um, it's going to have to start to turn around rather quickly or, or Woolworths might be better off just, you know, pulling the plug and shutting the whole thing down. But the latest is they're putting another $30 million, which in the scheme of war, this isn't a march. Mm. But, but I think we're up to 2 to $3 billion in total now. So we're starting to get a, a significant investment in Masters that continues to lose money um, competing with um, Bunnings. But, but that's a joint venture with Woolworths, isn't it? That's a joint venture with Lowe's of the US, but Lowe's have got an option to require Woolworths to buy them out at a right. predetermined price. So if Lowe's exercise that option, Woolworths might be stuck with the whole lot. Mm. And anything in the media scene? Uh, the media, yes. Well, the ongoing uh, issues with 10 Network, as it's, uh, as it's the lowest rating of the big three networks, um, there's an office from overseas investors to um, buy 10, uh, or proposed offer, and Bruce Gordon, who... who um, owns the Wollongong network, 
station, um, has put up a counter-offer to recapitalise 10. That last time, the directors weren't in favour of um, Gordon's offer, but Gordon's got such a large shareholding in 10, um, the offer from the from the um, overseas investors can't succeed unless Gordon agrees to it. So I think we're looking for uh, ongoing um, interest in 10, but I think it'll be a while before it all clears and comes to light where it's ending up. It is 12 to 1. Still a time to get your call in for Thursday Finance Today, 49216216, to get your question through to Stephen Pritchard and Brett Hall. And uh, we're looking, we were talking last week about uh, the effect of compounding. If you put money in the bank, uh, of course, that's not the only way things can compound. That's right. We were talking last week about um, what happened with um, compounding over a period of time. And I had a couple of inquiries during the week. um, um, do we actually have any real numbers? Of, so I, I, what I've done is I've pulled out a uh, portfolio that's been going, an actual portfolio that's been going for um, actually five years and one week by coincidence. Um, so it started on the 5th of March 2010, and um, so I've printed this out as of yesterday, so it's the 11th of March 2015, which is uh, five yep, years yesterday. Mm-hmm. Five yep. years and one week. And um, when, that, when it first started, there was $100,000 investment and it was put over a number of um, uh, listed companies um, and the, with, a, with an orientation to um, brand names that people would recognise and um, they had to pay a dividend. All the stocks in the portfolio had to pay a dividend. So um, the money was... Um, not taken out and spent, which is a bit of unusual because it's usually pretty hard to calculate a portfolio return because people take money out to to um, go on their overseas trips and buy the Christmas presents or whatever. So in this particular one, the, the money was reinvested in, um, just left in the in the account, and you know, the dividend as the dividends came in. So as of yesterday, the hundred thousand um, had grown to um, one hundred eighty one thousand three hundred and forty six dollars. One hundred eighty $1,346. So over the last five years, this, this portfolio has actually returned 13.9% um, per annum and compared to the All Ordinaries Index of 8.4%. So what that's saying is that, you know, by the, the effect of compounding in this is we've turned 100000 into 181000 over five years. Now, not everyone is going to achieve the same results, and if you start on a different day, you'll get a different result, and if you buy different stocks, you will also get a different result. But what it shows is that you know, this is how you can multiply your wealth. And, and, and out of that um, 81,000 return, um, and this is another mistake, although it is changing slowly these days as people seek more yield, people traditionally just invested in the stock market for capital gain. But out of that 81,000, um, 23,000, that return came from dividends that have come in. So putting the dividends back. Putting the dividends back if you don't need to need the money. This is just like you're compounding interest in your bank account, builds up your capital, which earns more money as you go along. So you're saying, Stephen, that um, during that period, some of those dividends were used to buy stocks? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, basically the money was reinvested in either new investments or topping up um, um, the um, existing investments that we had. Um, and the other thing is um, that... You know, I'm happy to send a copy of the portfolio out if anyone wants to contact us. But, but you know, bear in mind there are 
it's bought as a portfolio. It's not bought as an individual stock. In the, if you go through the portfolio, there are some things that have made very good profits and other things that um, haven't done so well. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's actually a private client's portfolio. And, and what this says is you're not going to get um, everything right all the time. You have to concentrate on, on um, diversifying your portfolio, um, looking at what your objectives are. For example, you know, it, it's got 200 Woodside, which it originally paid um, $9,500 for, and today they're worth 6800 So So, you know, it's a quality stock Woodside, but... Yeah, it didn't perform over the five years. But you know, conversely, um, it's got 275 Reese, which we paid $6,900 for, and today's worth $9,200. So, so, yeah, you have to buy the portfolio at a whole, diversify your investments, and look at the long-term return. So I suppose you also need strategies as to when you're going to buy and or sell the stocks that are in the portfolio. Um, to a certain extent, but the, this portfolio was deliberately designed as a as a buy. They had a hundred thousand to invest. Um, yeah, they just wanted to put the money aside. We reviewed it every six months or so. It wasn't a buy and sell strategy. It wasn't a buy and turnover portfolio. I mean, if we went through and worked out how many transactions were on the thing, there wouldn't be a great deal. Hmm. It was a you know, there's stocks in there. The majority of that portfolio would have been bought right back at the beginning and. There's been a few takeovers that have come out, and we've bought some um, Vita Group recently. Um, but, yeah, it's not a transactional portfolio. Mm. Mm. This is Thursday Finance. And, of course, if you'd like to have a listen to this program, again, that's always very possible uh, via podcast, which will be on our website, 2NURFM.com, where you'll get lots of good information about this program as well as others. And 2NURFM, we're getting closer to 1 o'clock and news from the Hunter Newsroom three minutes away. And uh, it is, of course, bringing... a. F- uh, Thursday Finance to an end. Many thanks to Stephen Pritchard. And thanks, Jane. to Brett Hall. Thank you. Good to have the finance brains here and ticking over and doing all sorts of things. Um, looking forward to a good week of um, finance. I hope so. I hope it's <laughs> profitable for everyone. <laughs> yes. Do hope it is. And um, a little bit more thinking about what's happening on the, um, on the stock market and where we're going with things financial. There's plenty in the papers these days as we... There always seems to be stuff about the budget coming up, doesn't it? The budget's coming up in May, which will will be interesting. I mean, hockey's obviously flating some um, comments that... neither Paul Ketting or his own party agrees with in respect to superannuation. So I think that's all a waste of time, what he's suggesting. Well, time will tell. So that's uh, Thursday Finance for today. Look forward to your company next week after the midday news on 2NURFM.